Hey there, Zaddy. Um, <laughs> sounds like a kid's bot version of daddy. Uh, but you know, actually, in my youth, my young, young youth, I once, uh, I once was seeing this girl, and you know, she was a, she was a practicing nurse, I guess, something like that. I guess it's a real NSA. Um, <laughs> um, but. You know, she said she said in a joking way one time. Said, "Oh, thanks, Zaddy." And I'm well. She didn't say it like that. And I'm just like, "Zaddy, what the hell is that?" She's like, "You don't know what that is." And then she played the song from Ty Dolla Sign. And I'm like, "Hey, <clears throat> I guess that's why your thighs got the dollar sign." No, just me. Okay, I thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> I'm such a fool. Um, I guess she would probably be really into what's it called? You know, they say like veins are a nurse's wet dream. Well, I think that's what J. Cole said. But uh, she was never in my math class because I was always in remedial. And that's why I do a podcast now. It always comes full circle. Yeah. Welcome to episode 213, right? 212, I don't know. I'm so fucking done of keeping up with the episode numbers. It's not that hard to keep up with. I'm just so fucking done keeping... Yeah, it's episode 213. Let's just go with that. Yeah, welcome to episode 213 of the Off and Be Podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe. But most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties. Oh Jesus! Yeah, recording this on a uh, August twenty first at six forty seven a.m. Eastern for the archives, of course. Oh yeah, um, yeah, you know, it's a beautiful, it's a as a Drake and Future would say, "What a time to be alive." Uh, even though honestly, I never understood the whole future thing. Like, I've listened to his music, and like, well, not really listen. I only listen to songs that other people are on songs with feature. Whether he's a feature, he's the main on it. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I don't get it. But you know what? I'm probably not the audience. But, yeah. Uh, it's a lot to feel out here, you know? It's a... Uh, You know, I was actually a uh, baseball, for example. You know, talk about getting behind the plate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, baseball is a fascinating thing. You know, baseball has gone through many stages of steroids. It's gone through stages of being a very boring game where it's predictable. And now it's kind of back to more... You know, what baseball is supposed to be diverse and interesting, even though, I mean, it's only diverse in certain ways. Um, <laughs> uh, I've always found it weird, you know, like in baseball, I'm not saying coaches should get paid more. What I am saying is, why do coaches in sports have these records attached to their name as the coach, but yet 
in baseball, they had, some head coaches barely get like three to four million dollars, while they got players on the team getting forty to fifty million. Like you really think if I'm like Mike Trout or Shohei Otani when he gets his contract, you really think I give a single fuck what my one point three million dollar a year manager fucking makes? He's like, I make one point three million a plate appearance, you dumbo. Not literally doing the math that doesn't make sense. But he makes probably that in like, you know, a road trip. And it kind of brings this fascination like I watch baseball and uh, I, I, you know, you pay attention to sports and even in football, right? The highest paid coach would be like the Belichick's and people of that degree, Andy Reid, where they're probably getting paid 10, 11, 12, but it's pretty high. But you still got players on the team. Like they put, there's probably 18 players that get paid more than that a year. Now I know there's the very low class of player. Most players get paid like a couple million or less. But we're talking about sustainable NFL players that play long enough. You're going to get paid pretty well. And in baseball, it's very fluctuating. Like, it takes eight plus years to even, like, really start getting paid. But when you get paid, boy, you get paid. And in baseball, you'll get those big-ass contracts where by the time it's the last five years of your contract, you're already washed, but you're still owed the money. So even if during your prime years or your early years you were making money, or you weren't making money, but you were producing at a high rate, when you get that 10-year, $340 million contract in the last four years, you were hitting like 218, you know, can't not even playing half the games in a year, but your contract's guaranteed. It's like, hey, I think it made up, right? So it got me into thinking, because you got to look at the highest forms of the highest incomes of how pay disparity works. So I was thinking... In everyday jobs, what is, I I, don't, I probably should actually look this up, but what is the pay disparity where the higher the positions go in a workplace? What is the percentage of a person who is in charge of people directly below them that directly answer to them every day or that they direct to do stuff every day or manage to make sure stuff is doing, getting done? How much of a percentage of increase should they be getting paid compared to the people they are telling what to do right so if you're a manager and your job is to make the lineups x y and z shouldn't you by default be getting paid more than everyone which by the way let me make clear you shouldn't you're not actually doing it i'm not saying you're not doing anything but you could have the greatest you create the greatest lineup of all time um if they intentionally walk your best player three times, you're in trouble if you're a shitty team. So, I was thinking like, let's say you have a job where the main income of a level position, a standard level position is like, I don't know, we'll just keep it low, $12 an hour. Then you have a manager who's above them that is only getting paid $2.50 more. We'll say fourteen fifty, Because they always think if we add a couple 50 cents, it makes it like, ooh, we're really taking you serious. Like, okay. So I'm getting paid, let's just say eight-hour day, $2.50 extra an hour. I am literally getting paid roughly 25 
dollars more than the people I'm in charge of. So let's say you work a standard week, 40 hours. You're literally making what? An extra $100 than the people below you? If you all work the same hours? It's like, that's why like these fucking... That's why like I'm not really a believer in internal promotions, right? Well, I'm a believer that if you work with the company, there should be promotions and shit, right? This is called the Off and Beat Podcast because you know what? I can talk about whatever the fuck I want. Oh, actually, you should really focus on a niche. It's like, yeah, you should really focus on focus on sucking my niche of a dick inside of your mouth because that's what all you seem to talk about. Um, talk about the vanilla swirl. All right, that was not actually good at all, even for my standards. Um, but yeah, it you know pay disparity in a workplace is a very quote unquote no no. And I've actually never really worked at a place that just shows you the low type of places I've worked at where they really can't enforce if you actually talk about your wage, which is kind of stupid that there's actually a rule that you can't talk about how much you make. Because basically what they're saying is like, we don't actually want competitive pay. We want to keep it secret so no one talks about it. Which also, I guess you don't want someone shooting up, you know, starting elbow, bare knuckle fights in the dishwashing area at Chipotle. If they find out that Rodrigo is getting paid a dollar fifty more than them and you've been working there an extra three months in him. Like, hey, yeah, that would probably, uh, that would be more than some... <laughs> There'd be a lot of double scooping. Let me tell you, if I was working at a place like that and I was getting paid a dollar fifty less than someone, I am making the biggest bowls, I am making the biggest burritos, and I am telling you to suck my cooch cooch. Alright. I'll be getting unlimited chorizo. Uh, actually you only get one meal a day. It's like, well actually uh you only pay one employee more than you should. I, which you know, I'm asking like it really bothers me. I really don't like watching YouTube channels. I really don't like listening to people bitch about the bitch about how um, workplaces are toxic. I don't really like listening to that because it honestly just sounds like someone bitching that they got laid off two years ago at their basic ass job. And they talk about like, oh, they made us work extra. They made us do this. It's like really like, you know, that's the thing. A job can't really make you work over a certain amount you also allowed it and you let fear dictate the fact that you allowed them to intimidate you and if that's not and if the work and if that type of lifestyle or that that work demands is that and you make a choice to kind of stay with it that's still a you problem because you can always leave your job whether you like it or not i'm not trying to be the Oh, well, it's a free country thing. What I am saying is, I'm tired of people making videos bitching about their job. As someone who's making a video bitching about pay disparity between people of positions and the lower. Because if you actually ask to apply for a position. See, here's where I can understand someone being upset. Speaking from a complete distance, not personal at all. Has nothing to do with any job I've ever had, currently have, or will have. Because I would never talk about my personal life in that manner. 
But when you apply for a quote-unquote better opportunity, quote-unquote, whatever the fuck that actually means, because if it's such a great opportunity, there's a reason why the position is open. Typically, great opportunities are hard to come by because people like those great opportunities and keep those jobs. Um, But when it's like, this is a great opportunity, it's like, why is there such high turn? You know, if you ask these employers or in the interview, hey, why is there, a, you know, God forbid if you ask them a question about the position, they get all like angsty, like, well, you know, it just comes with it. It's like, no, I'm asking you, why is there such a high turnover rate at this position that I'm about to take? And their answer is always like, well, you know, sometimes people just can't handle it. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. They are pussies. Um, <laughs> and be like, I'm just here to take the pay. Like, whoa, but we don't actually want, you know, we actually want someone that doesn't want it for the pay. It's like, you realize if you didn't offer the pay, no one would fucking do this job. You understand that, right? They're like, no, there's people that, and then they'll like, oh, there's actually people that would do it for less pay. Cause they're all about the company. It's like, all right. Suck my cooch. Um, but anyway, any jizz. You know, there's this thing where you apply, you know, that's the thing. These jobs, they will tell you, we have these great opportunities for you. Always try to move up. That's always what they, you know, always try to move up. There's so many. And then you do exactly that after you've been bitch, battered, bastard, bastardized, and basically strongholded, bullied into applying for things or trying to, you know, move up the ranks, whatever the fuck that means, like it's a Call of Duty scoreboard worldwide. Um, And then you do it, and there's this long process. It's like, how is there such a long process when there's five fucking openings that no one wants? This should be a pretty easy process. I put in the application... You look at me, and you're like, you're a stud muffin. Get in here. Um, <laughs> now you apply for it. It's he said, like, well, you know, we can't promise you a position. It's like, really? Because it sounds like you guys have been promising someone a position, like, a lot. I'm sorry I don't conversate and make you feel like I'm going to suck your wee-wee like these girls in these booty shorts, but you know what? I'll do better. I'll actually produce. Um... <laughs> I mean, she could produce your kids. I don't know. You know. Jesus, that took a turn. Well, you know. You know what they say. Once they turn around, your pants come down. (laughs) I'm such a fool. But, my gripe is it. You know what rhymes with gripe? Piping. And they're trying to pipe me in the asshole. Um, (laughs) No, not me. From a distance. I'm talking about a complete, fictional, non-existent thing, right? So you apply. You do all that good shit. And then, to add the most insulting thing they can do, right? Is you apply for something you're overqualified for. And they're, they're like, hey, we actually got another opportunity for you. Oh, great. Another great opportunity. I'm all ears. And then 
they're like, you know, we actually fired someone in this position. We actually had to fire a couple people. And so if you would like to, you know, we would like you to, you know, give it a try. See if you like it. I'm like, well. And that person's like, well, actually, you know, actually I applied for something higher than that. Because taking the position you just offered literally does nothing to my financial benefit. It's literally the same fucking pay. And I sweat my balls all night. Not really what I'm looking for. And they're like, yeah, but you know, if you take this position and you do it. And then you kind of see like why people don't like the position that you're actually applying for. Because then they flat out tell you, hey. You know, to be honest, a lot of these managers are just, you know, a lot of them are just idiots. A lot of them just don't know what the hell they're doing. It's like, well, now how about you, who's in charge of these fucking idiots, tell these fucking idiots how to do their job better? Because if you're watching idiocy when you know better, that makes you a bigger idiot than ignorance that doesn't know better. Now, look at that. That's a lot of eyes. Sounds like an acronym. I, 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 I. Um, <laughs> and that really will open your eyes and be like, hey, now I see why I probably shouldn't strive for this position. But the pay is so enhanced. But then the position they offer you literally is not even a lateral move. It's literally a nothing move. It literally does nothing for you. But they're, the point they will try to sell you is, hey, doing this will actually prepare you for the position you want. It's like, you know what actually prepares you for the position? Doing the position. Getting trained in the position. This is where these fucking overthinking. This is what happens when you got too much HR. When you got too much training. In these workplaces. So much like trainings. People that get paid to quote unquote do these slideshows. You have people that get paid to show you all these things and all the good blah blah. It's like. But you know what really actually trains you for a position? Doing it. It's like I do not need to know what at 80,000 fucking square feet of a building. What it all does. To work in 800 square feet. Literally when you work in the space of less than a 2 to 3% of a whole building. Why do I need to know what 100% of the building is? Unless I'm actually in charge of running the whole building. It's like, no, let, let, me, let, me, let me cut to the grits. Let me slice to the cheese. Let me pipe to your in between them knees. And let's just get to fucking, okay? You are telling me that doing this will help me prepare for the bigger thing. Because you fired a couple people. In that position, yet there's like five or six open in the position I'm applying for. That I've been highly, quote unquote, not me, but someone has been highly recommended. And highly uh, thought of. Basically to the point where I got no one like, you know what, fuck it. That, uh, that person, I'll just do it, right? 
I'm speaking in the third isolated fictional person. I am not I when I speak of this. I am speaking of a scenario here. It's like, how about you just give me an interview and then just tell me the fuck off. I would prefer that. Just give me an interview and tell me the fuck off. Instead of, oh, well, the guy give this roundabout way. Like, you know, how about you try a position that actually pays you no, nothing more than you get paid now and you get... You know, you just help us out. How's that sound? It's like, how about I just keep doing what I'm doing if I'm going to get paid the same? How's that sound? Because I'm already pretty established. I got to, you know, you got co-workers that are nice. You have a familiar area. I don't have to really think about anything I do. Like, it's basically nothing I have to think about. But if I take the position I apply for with a higher pay... There might be more incentive for me to give a shit more, right? Um, and that's the thing. This whole, like, these job stress always try to move up is a fucking scam in the highest orders. Like, this whole, like, moving up culture, it does absolutely fucking nothing until you get to a certain point of moving up. Like, it is just a way to make you feel like you matter. And let me tell you, if you mattered... They wouldn't make you take a position that they say that they told those other people in that position before. We can replace you and then tell you you matter. So then when you take that position, they can tell you we can replace you. Everyone's replaceable. I'm look, I am not Beyonce. I do not think I'm irreplaceable at anything in my life. The only thing that's irreplaceable is uh <laughs> these nips. Um <laughs> By the way, today's sponsor, Duncan. But yeah, I'm going to end the topic here. I'm going to end it there because I feel like I've gone way too long. The moral of the shit and jizz and the giggles and the tittles is that, um, I like, that's the things like all I, all I think people want in a workplace from people in positions that actually make decisions is just tell me that you're not really hiring or tell me that you just don't want to hire me at this point in time because I don't have a cooch for you to slip your dick in. That's okay. I prefer it. I know we've lived in this like, oh, men get all these benefits and that's fine. But let me tell you, when you got a booty in a workplace of people down on their life, you are not in an advantage as a man, all right? <laughs> Actually, everything's working against you. Because then, even if you are an attractive man, that works even more against you when there's people in higher positions. Because if you're an attractive man and you have power, I mean, Jesus Christ, these motherfuckers will start like, alienate trying to put you on the spot the people above you will start like trying to you know sun you in front of people to kind of bring you down and then you just got to remind them that bitch uh you're my son i know you get paid more than me i know you can fire me but bitch you my son
because you know you're shining a light on my insecurities <laughs> like the teletubbies with the big old baby in the sun i'm just a big old baby in the sun because i brighten your day and smile and make you wish you had a son but hey i guess it's just the radiation baby the uv rays um and yeah I'll just end it with this when it comes to that. Um, yeah, pay disparity. People need to be, like, if you're in charge of people or in, gar- in charge of an area, I think you should at least be getting paid 25 to 30% more because if people know you're not really getting paid significantly more than them, there's an automatic just, like, lack of respect or lack of, like, higher... Like, they don't really look at you as someone they have to listen to. Because even if you have all the power to do it, it's like, bitch, you only get paid $2 more than me. Who the fuck are you telling me what to fucking do? Like, ho, ho. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know I was five minutes late today, but at least I'm not, you know, Mr. 16 an hour here. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounds dumb, but hey. I think it's human nature. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah. Uh, speak to your pay grade, ho. Um, excuse me. I just love, you know, I just love seeing the sky sometimes you ever like see the sky and you're like why can't there be more sky no no one ever fucking said that because you know what the last thing we need is more fucking air to look at we don't need more air i'm so fucking tired of this gnat getting in my fucking shot God, shoot or shoot, but Jesus, if I could slap you without fucking up my camera, I would slap you. Ike Turner style. Which actually, you know, I don't know if I talked about this on podcast, because it was like a video, a clip month ago, I saw, where Ike Turner, and I actually don't know much about Ike Turner. All I know about Ike Turner is that he used to beat the shit out of Tina Turner. That's literally all I know. Oh no, not Tina Turner. Whitney. No, wait. He wasn't with Whitney. No, it was Tina Turner. I don't even remember which beautiful woman it was. But either way, keep your hands to yourself, kids. But uh, he was on like some, one of those Johnny Carsons or one of those Dick Cavett's 1970s late night show. And I forgot what it was, but she was, you know, being, you know, in the interview, sitting down with him. He was being very or she was being very, like, over the top. Not over the top, because then it sounds like I'm justifying. Oh, Jesus, Clint. I am not a believer or a justification of putting your hands on a woman. All I'm trying to do is explain through the mind of a man of what would make a man think about <laughs> sometimes doing it. Not that I would. I'm just saying, sometimes you see things and you're like, I'm not saying he should have done it, but I know why he thought it. Um, but, 
Now, I don't even know if that sounds better. That probably sounds worse. This is why you should not give me a mic at 7 in the morning. Um, <laughs> but no, they were on some show. And she was, you know, kind of doing all these hands and facial expressions. And really kind of, she made like a gesture. Like kind of a... uh slight little poke at him and his body language went from kind of key king to you could see on like he was one of those like he didn't even give a fuck that people knew they slapped the shit out of her he was just sitting like you could tell by his body language if he wasn't if there wasn't a camera with millions of people watching he was just boom boom everybody going down um and, uh, but then, uh, then I came across literally, yeah, this is how you know how beautiful your algorithm is when you just keep getting domestic violence from Sean Connery and him and strawberry shortcake eating booties. And you just, and in their interview, he was like, they were like, why do you hit woman? And he's like, well, you know, sometimes you got to slap a hoe. <laughs> Um, he said it more along the lines of like, hey, look, I mean, sometimes when it's like when they be talking crazy, they wouldn't shut up. <laughs> That's the way he said it. He's like one shot. And he like, it wasn't even like he was like direct like, no, because when she did this, I asked her to stop. She just didn't stop and kept going. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> And you know what? I was sitting there laughing, realizing I'm laughing at a guy talking about how he slaps his wife or his woman or whatever. And then I'm like, damn, Clint, you're laughing at this shit. That's not right. And then and then I start asking myself, well, what was he supposed to do? It was the 70s. Um, <laughs> they didn't have like, you know, domestic abuse hotlines. Well, I'm sure they did. But, you know, the domestic abuser doesn't call the hotline. Like, you know, you murder someone, you're like, hey, man, my bad. I just lost my temper. I kind of kind of shot my brother. Um, Yeah, no, he's completely dead. If you guys can just come, I'm doing the right thing, being honest. So, you know, you can't you can't be mad at me. Gotta love the you know, you always gotta love the hey, at least I'm honest, guys. It's like. Yeah, you know what? Uh, just because you're honest doesn't take away the fact of what you did that you're admitting to. Um, but yeah. No, anyways, going back to Ike giving her the spike in the forehead. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe she just had a big head. I don't know. All right, Clint. You know what? It's okay if I have a five head that's a target. But you know what? If you say it about a woman having a big head... You know, it's no fun at all. Um, but no, in going back to the late night interview, you can see like visibly he's like takes his hand away, and then he like she tries to like comfort, and he's like get that shit away. Like you can see he's like gay, and then the interviewer is looking like is everything all right? Like are you mad? And he's like he's like no, nah, we good. He's like don't worry about it. And like the such serious tone, you can see like oh Jesus. Um, but 
It was the 70s. Live television. Let it happen. Well, it was probably more like the 80s, but you know. But that's the thing, you know. Everything, a lot of things used to be, you know, normal human feelings used to be normal back in the day. And I'm not saying that's normal to do. But that's more of a real version of what we see a lot. Like, that stuff is still very prevalent. I would argue it may be even more prevalent than ever. It's just when people hide it so well, I think it probably happens more than it ever did. Because since it's not socially or publicly acceptable, like, like actions from people would be a lot different. Because I feel like nowadays it happens a lot more more deadly situations. Because... A lot of people just feel like no one will fuck them up or do shit, you know? People walk around acting like no one will beat the shit out of them because they're in this protect they're in this protective bubble that just like, hey, no matter what I say, what I do, you know, the person I love would never do this or some stranger in a Walmart just like they could say some shit to someone and tell them like, look at this ugly bitch and thinking that ugly bitch won't slap you with their coat you know, fake coach purse and be like, bitch, I'm the coach. I'm you the player, I'm the coach. Um <laughs> player player. Um But yeah, we definitely live in a I think, right? And I think one it probably started when disciplining your child was not acceptable. Uh when you couldn't public now you can't really publicly do anything. Uh, and I'm not one of the, back in my day, my mom used to take me to the supermarket. When I acted up, she would hang me upside down and pull down my pants for everyone to see my little wee-wee. Like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. But I would have no problem even today if I had a little fucker. And I was going down the aisle, and he was grabbing the fucking animals, throwing it in the fucking cart. And be like, no, put it back. Do you see the prices? Don't think because there's cute little giraffes that those things are good. Those things are full of sugar, kid. Um, <laughs> and causing a scene, be like, no, I don't want this. And I'll be like, oh, really? And just like fake the backhand. Because you know what? I bet you after that time, the next time you go to the grocery store, he's keeping his hands in his pants eating his little organic applesauce overpriced shit. Like, no. Stay away from the animals. Eat your freaking... Pedialyte applesauce ass. That was like four fifty for the small little easy squirt pack. Because you know what? Anytime they put things in easy squirt bottles, they just charge more and put less in it because it's convenient. If you try to squeeze fucking honey like as a sauce bottle, that shit is inhumane. You will lose your grip strength. You gotta have like monkey gorilla strength to squeeze honey out of these bags. It is fucking inhumane. And then they'll put like Peanut butter, like a fucking peanut butter in a squeezing bag. That's like squeezing semen out of a vasectomized dick. Like, what's the point? Less is not more. Alright? Just get the fucking knife or the spoon and spread the shit. But yeah. No, you know what? It's okay to smack your kid upside the head. It really is. And you know what? It's okay to, you know... You should never put your hands on your partner, man or woman. Because you know what? You shouldn't do it for the simple fact. You don't know what the fuck, how that person's going to react to it. 
on the simplest of levels, regardless of your personal beliefs of that shit. Like, you just shouldn't because they might fucking beat the living shit out. Or, like, this woman in Georgia fucking uh, is with a man that she's been with for like 16 years. He makes, I don't know, 600K a year or some. He makes a really good, like, the house. Apparently, they were about to go on a trip to the Bahamas. Literally the day of or the day before. And the cops kind of get a tip that, like, hey, you know, she kind of is planning the plot to murder her husband in the Bahamas. <laughs> and uh, and since they were separated, as you may expect, shocker, um, live in the same house. And she had a secret boyfriend out in the Bahamas or supposedly going to be there. So she, they planned a family trip to the Bahamas, but she's going to meet her boyfriend in the Bahamas. So was he traveling to the Bahamas where she was at? Or was he in the Bahamas? And she t- she seeked him out like Bahamasmatch.com and be like, hey, I'm coming through. I don't know. But apparently they were going to land there. And she was going to spend time with him. At least that's what she told the cops. Which is kind of a weird thing to admit. Like, even if you weren't playing the plot and you had nothing going against you. Like, the fact that you would just admit that kind of just says a delusion of kind of how a lot of people operate. And just openly be like, and be like, what's the problem with that? It's like, well, you're going with your three kids. I don't know. It's not... Not the best look, regardless if you and your partner are together. Because either you just shouldn't go, one of you shouldn't go, or you probably just shouldn't go to the Bahamas when you're having a separate, when you just separated, and you're living in the same house. If you if you are separated, living in the same place, the worst thing you could do is go voluntarily to another place that's supposed to be an enjoyable experience. With someone that you're not enjoying in a comfort home experience. That never works out. But, you know what? I've never plotted to murder someone, so I don't get it. Um, I'm sure I've had a couple try to plot murder on me. Um, including my dad. <laughs> oh, that's not funny. Because he was probably too retarded to even track my social security. You dumbass. Um. <laughs> but you know what? I don't know how child support works. I know I'm owed some. I know me and my brother are owed some child support that we're never going to get. It's like how, like, how long does it take for like child support to be relinquished from your records when you owe, when you owe it? Like, you know you're never going to. Like, they know you're never going to pay. Like, what do they do? Just, like, file for bankruptcy? Like, you know, they should, or they just like, eh, hey, you know, whatever. It's weird they would make student debt the only, one of the only debts that no matter what, you can't file for Like, you have to pay that shit. But child support, yeah, we can negotiate that, right? Um, <laughs> It's like, you know what would be nice? I don't need another stimulus. I just need one big child support check that I never got. Well, I guess technically, well, it technically would go to me, but they're like, ah, you're an adult now. You don't need it. It's like, 
I disagree. I need it now more than ever. <laughs> come on, biological, come through. Um, <laughs> I mean, 18 years of child support, even back then when the payments were probably at an all-time, you know, premium low. That's a lot of months, you know? <laughs> what is that, like 12 months times 18? Doing the math on top of my head, that's like fucking... It's a lot of months, all right? <laughs> I don't have time to be doing the fucking math on the spot. What is 18 times or so? Like 196 months? I think so. Yeah. 196. Let's say... <laughs> this, is, this is how you know this podcast is insane. I'm literally doing my... uh, What is it called? My freaking real child support I never got, but I guess since technically... I had a father from a young age, so technically you don't get child support. If but I'm just talking about my biological. It's like if he owe I don't know two hundred dollars a month on the low end. The standards are so low for child support. Like that doesn't even pay for like half a day in daycare nowadays. All right, if you gave, let's say he owed me just me two hundred dollars a month, and my brother like you know four hundred. I don't know. Owe me $200 a month for 196 months? Yo. Yo. We're talking like almost 40K here, I think. See, this is why I need to keep my phone next to me. <laughs> because basically, what's 200 times 200? That's like 40,000? 200, 400, 600, 8, 1,000, 1,000, 1,000. Yeah, it's close to like 40,000, like 38,000, some shit. You know what I could do with 38 fucking thousand dollars right now? I could get a whole podcast studio. Um, <laughs> I could hire a producer. <laughs> I could buy unlimited eggs. Um... <laughs> Nah, you know, I would, I would do what, you know, you should do, pay off some debts, pay off, like, just pay off my car, throw the car away, get a new car, um, <laughs> you know, probably, like, you know, pay off the little student of debt I had, you know, give a few, I guess, give a few of it to my mom, um, <laughs> nah, I'll probably give a good bit to it. You know, it's like I don't really need thirty-eight thousand. Like honestly, if I just got like fifteen thousand, I would be more than all right. Like I could work with that and actually do some shit with it, and just work and accumulate. But you know, or fuck it, I'll just gamble it. Football's coming up. I'm about. Let me tell you something, man. I've been purposely not fantasy gambling the past two months after the NBA season ended because I remember I talked about some episodes you guys may remember for the you know for the prime listeners and like you notice how I stopped talking because I was like I got so into it and I'm like man this is easy money and then I realized it's not the easiest money but when you win oh boy that feeling is unmatched honestly winning <laughs> let me tell you man let, let me tell you because you know what, there th- there was, there. there's like three things that make a man feel on top of the world. Winning money that you didn't have to work for, that's gambling. Pussy, 
and money. Um, <laughs> for me, it's the three P's. Prize picks, pussy, podcasting. The three P's. Um, <laughs> I'm such a fool. But mostly true. Because um, <laughs> nothing makes me feel better than those. But I was like every I'm like, oh my god, this is such easy money. You put ten dollars, you win a hundred. This shit's easy money. And I was like, hey. Then I started just doing baseball for a week or two. And you know what you realize? When you don't watch sports, when you don't watch the sport that you're gambling on, then I realize why people become actually like gambling addicts is when you start getting in the rush of the feeling of gambling where it's not even a connection you have with what you're betting on. You just start having that urge to bet on any and everything because then you start getting in your ego. You start like, ah, you know, whatever. I can throw away this money, this money, like whatever. It's like, ah, whatever. I'll just keep doing these little, and all those little bets, fucking, that's what gets you. It's not when you decide to, Throw in a little extra on a bet that you're doing a big package thing to win a power thing. Like, nah. It's the, eh, $5 here, 6 here, 7 here. Like, and when it's put in a digital, I think, honestly, with it being on a phone or a computer, you do it, you don't feel like you actually lost $7. It's just a number, even though you put your own money into it. But like when you win, you feel like you won $70, even though you're just going to reuse that money anyway. So you didn't really win anything. So that's why I've kind of understand, like, I've always felt like this whole thing where, oh, it's wrong to promote gambling. It's so it's morally wrong for sports and gambling. It's so bad, like gambling's banned and all these things. Like, it's like, you know what? You got, you know, let people gamble, but let people be stupid with their own money. Don't think like... Don't think these governments are blocking gambling because they actually care about the well-being of their population to not lose their house doing stupid shit. They don't give a single fuck. They don't give a fuck when they're when your job lays you off. And they're like, hey, like they're not out there with uh for you to have a job. Like, hey, you can go here and work until you want to find like the government doesn't do that for you. You think they give a fuck if you spend eight thousand dollars on a one night bet? That Patrick Mahomes is going to throw 300 yards and you lose it. They don't give a single fuck about that. All of it, you know what really it is? Gambling, one, I mean, obviously, it could be corrupted like anything. It could be manipulated and stuff. like. But that's like anything. The stock market's manipulated, corrupted all the time. People have insider information. People have insider information with betting. It is what it is, right? To me, I look at betting like the stock market and real estate. It's all just this. It's all literally a gamble. Like the stock market is literally like it's a calculated gamble, but so is gambling on sports. It's a calculated gamble if you know what you're seeing, right? The issue is a lot of people don't know what they're seeing. They know what they're told. They know what they see, quote-unquote, to an extent, but they don't really actually know what they're watching. But anyways, not to get too deep in the weeds, but 
I was like, you know what? When I started doing baseball betting, I'm like, I don't even fucking watch baseball. That's when I was like, oh. And I remember the night where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just wait till football season comes around. I'm going to save money and just go head in the football because it's much more exciting. You're much more connected. I could do a lot of different things and still be into it. Where I um, I betted, no joke, I betted on a woman's soccer match in Finland, I believe. And I betted on whether someone was going to get two, I think it's two spikes in a woman's volleyball in Syria. And I'm like, okay. After I lost those bets, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I think uh, I think I'm gonna wait till <laughs> I think I'm gonna wait till American football comes around and uh, just put this to the side. But I think it's a good sign that at least it's like, hey, at least I know I don't have a problem. I realize like, hey, you're getting a little too caught up in the fun of it, the rush of it. And I do think you know that's a good sign. I would, you know, if I had my perfect, like, financial portfolio of my revenue streams, this is what it would be. It would be, of course, OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> kidding. Imagine if someone just did a podcast on OnlyFans, but like, hey. It's like, you know, you could just put this on YouTube. It's like, yeah, but you could just pay for it. You could basically have people like, hey, open this podcast episode for $10. You don't know what you're going to see. And it's just me in a sexy sweater. <laughs> All black. Because it makes your delts pop. Um, you want to see a man in his mid-twenties delts pop? Click the video for $8. Zaddy. Um, <laughs> that would probably be my username only fan. The Zaddy. Zaddy 101. Who needs Zoe 101? We got Zaddy 101. Um, well, I think I just found the title of this podcast. Zaddy 101. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm such a fool. I'm such a fool, but I'm cut like I'm cool. But no, my ideal portfolio, like my dream revenue portfolio. This is what it looks like, right? I'm be paying taxes out of the ass because of what these... Business, what these uh jobs claim and how they can just take money from you and you got to report you got to self-report a lot of shit they can sue you if you you know it's whatever would be podcast revenue right of course it would be maybe have a spotify deal you know i don't know four years 80 million sounds nice to me just throwing it out there um but if i had just a independent podcast where I made money from ad revenue or doing ads or uh fucking uh like if I had a Patreon or some shit for for when I ever get to that level, you know. There's so many like ways you can make money doing that, right? And then it would be secondly, um it would be gambling. It would be like sports gambling. Now, I know that doesn't work. I'm not Phil Mickelson where I could blow $1 billion in a 10-year span. It doesn't mean... It means he spent $1 billion. 
Like, don't think he lost $1 billion. The man spent $1 billion with some of his earnings, and he probably still made a significant profit, at least according to the book. It's just like, all it does is highlight this man likes to bet. But you know what? When you make that type of money, like... Honestly, I think you kind of have to do stupid shit to lose a decent amount just to kind of feel like you're not like wasting the value of it. As dumb as that sounds, because just like storing money when you get to a certain level is kind of stupid. Like if you're poor and you got like $50 in the bank, like you don't be like, you know what? I'm putting $50 on this Monday night game in between. The Panthers and the Saints, I really feel Derek Carr is going to come through. And then, you know, he gets knocked out in the first quarter and Jameis Winston comes in and throws three picks. Like, you know what? Not the most ideal thing to put your money on. But if you have $500 million in the bank, like all you're doing is making money at a certain point. Like you got to do some of the challenge to feel like you're going to lose money. You got to have that risk in the money. Like, it's actually a belief where I think when you know you got so much money coming in, the way to balance yourself out to be too secure is you got to kind of do stupid shit to lose some of that money so you don't feel too secure, so you still keep the drive to keep making the money. Damn, that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. And I hate when people say like, oh, if I had money, I wouldn't be any different. It's like, nah, trust me. Give someone with like $100 in their bank account struggling, give them just, here's $10,000. They're not going to sit there and do nothing with it. What's a natural instinct? Okay. Uh, You know, well, you know, maybe get some comfort, you know. Uh, You know, maybe I'll go grocery shop and actually get some real food, you know. Maybe treat myself. Maybe, you know, get a, get a nice TV, you know, get a... It's, it's human nature to just like when you're giving money like, oh, I'm going to spend a little bit on myself since I've been suffering myself. And then there's the overly cautious where I'm going to do nothing with it. Well, of course, the balance is somewhere. Hearsay, she say. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just think that I. But yeah, no. Anyways, going back to my hypothetical future portfolio. Maybe I'll sell this podcast for $1 one day, like Barstool Sports. Um, (laughs) Which actually, hearing the breakdown of how all that went down, it's kind of confusing, but it's like, oh. So, uh, the way it broke down is like essentially, like a couple years ago, Penn, some company named Penn something, they're basically some financial gambling company, ironically, as I was talking about all that. They basically bought Barstool for like $500 million after the assets incorporated and all that shit. So they basically had like mostly control, but it was still Barstool Sports, as you know, but some things were different. Then they tried to turn to a sports book. They were having a hard time getting their sports book legalized in a lot of states, as I was kind of talking about before. And then, um, and then, Kind of essentially, there's somehow they were associated with ESPN and all. I don't know all this kind of weird stuff, and they're like, okay, 
Well, <laughs> because of the way I guess the shareholders work and all that shit, it's like, okay, like we want to get in business with someone else who's actually like we could do something with. And this just kind of, so it's like, okay, we'll just like, hey, Dave, if you want the company back here, the only thing is like, hey, if you were to ever sell this company, we get 50% of whatever you sell it for. And he's like, well, I'm never selling it anyways, but whatever. So it's almost like, yeah, they basically just lost $500 million, but in reality, they're going to get a lot of that money back if he ever does sell it. And they get to currently go in the business with someone that actively helps their sports. But I don't know. It's a confusing thing. I don't fully get it. I kind of watched someone break it down um, briefly. And uh, yeah. So if someone wants to buy my company, anything of mine for $500 million, I will sell it. I will give it to you. And if a couple years later, I can buy it back for $1, that's a, I think that's a pretty good investment, you know? Um, <laughs> and I don't care what would happen. I would never resell. I would never sell that thing again. I don't care if it just out of pride. It's like, oh, but what if you get it where the company is worth $80 billion and you could sell it for like a hundred billion. It's like, how about I just keep the company and keep making a lot of fucking money instead of selling it? Yeah, but all that pressure of kid, you know what? I can hire people to deal with the pressure. But I'm going to keep making this money. Being on my yacht. Selling the Pacific Ocean. Getting hit with some tropical windstorms. And be like, hey. I got a yacht, bitch. That's an old song of mine, by the way. Go check out. It's on the YouTube channel. I got a yacht. It's over the Drake's From Time instrumental. Ooh. I got a sneezes. Um. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I just kind of want to. I, you know, I just, I, I just want income where it's actually like, I feel like I'm actually directly earning it. I think that's where p- true pride comes in. Like I earn what I make, right? Like you go to work, you put in the time, you work every day. Like, but there's a difference between like. Doing like there's a difference between doing time. That's the way I look at like honestly like my job now, but like any job where you clock in and it's not like really what your passion is. It's not really like going in doing a job a lot of times. It feels like more like you're doing time. And I would never compare getting paid voluntarily at a job, air conditioned and all well like prison, but what I'm saying is like, you're there, and you're just like, this is not, you know, this is not really like, I don't really feel like I'm like getting the most out of my life right now, and that's why like, you gotta do things to infiltrate your own income by creating value where people want to come and do things that will pay you, now, I mean, that's different for everyone, like, but for me, I don't know. Um, that's like the dream, and everyone always bitches like, for, you know, fresh and fit. We got kicked out of the YouTube partner program. It's like, yeah, what the fuck did you think was gonna happen? 
Like, the fact that you lasted this long was amazing enough. Like, I'm not part of any program. But I know what you guys were doing is not part of the YouTube partner program. Um, And it's weird how, you know, they had these big strings about holding a woman accountable and all that good stuff. But then when it's them, they start crying. Like, he literally started crying. Like, being, you know, guys, um... This is hard for us. It's like, all right, you got kicked out of a YouTube partner program. Like, you didn't fucking find out that you had cancer. Fucking relax. Like, it's called find another way to make an income. Like, the rest of the world. You know, everyone's all these tough asses where they want to speak their mind and be free of speech. But then when a company's like, yeah, you know what, uh... We don't want you doing that shit. Then like, but it's my freedom of speech. And then all of a sudden, when they're like on top of the world, they're like, yeah, bitch, we can do whatever the fuck we want. You, you dumb asshole. It's like, yeah, now you, you, you sound like all the bitches on your show that you complained about. You don't take accountability for nothing. So I don't know. But what do I know? I'm just a zaddy. I'm just a zaddy 101 teacher here. But yeah, gamble with your life, even if it means literally. But yeah, that was episode one, uh, not one, Jesus Christ, Clint. Episode 213, I think. Yes, episode 213. Everybody in the 213, welcome to the Off and B podcast with me. Yeah, that was episode 213 of the Off and Be with Clint Nelson podcast. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Most important, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties. Woo! My nose is stuff, stuff like stuff crust. Which, by the way, I better see that stuff crust next week. That's to my manager. But yeah. Uh, have a great day, cause I'm about to drop a deuce, cause I am sweating, ball set. Oh God, see, this is what happens when you have to record without air condition. All right, my battery's gonna die. Have a great day, night, morning, wherever you are. If you live near the penguins, just flip them and say, "Hey, nice feet." <laughs>